Hi, my name is Michael Foster, and I'll be talking about bias and race in police training. I grew up in a world of law enforcement. My parents were in law enforcement on the federal level in three different national parks in California, Mississippi, and Florida. From my birth until the age of four, I lived in Yosemite National Park, surrounded by fair and just park rangers. These park rangers were my parents' friends and my friends' parents. Up to this point, all my interactions with police officers and park rangers were positive. They have always been heroes in my mind. I wanted to look into this topic because I find it interesting and frustrating to see cops, whom I always thought were heroes and amazing people, to act otherwise to a human because of their skin color. I've learned that in the 1960s and the 1970s, people joined the police force not to serve and protect, but to exert power over other people. And even with the civil rights movement, no action has been taken by the police force to change the actions of these horrible human beings until 2016. Since the Trayvon Martin shooting in 2012, the issue of bias has been thrust to the forefront of our profession. Martin's murder started discussion for incorporating bias and race training into police academies in America. Although everybody has bias, the focus was on the police officers who could do atrocious things and get away with it. Since 2016, state and local law enforcement agencies across the country have integrated implicit bias education into their training program. The Office of Community-Oriented Policing Services has worked with state and local law enforcement to train thousands of law enforcement officers at both the line and supervisor level in its implicit bias program known as fair and impartial policing. This training is meant to explain the difference between implicit and explicit bias, discuss how fear and bias influence officer behavior and police community interactions, and at the end, these law enforcement officers must identify their own implicit biases and strategies that can reduce the negative influence of these biases. The goal of this training is to stop bias from clouding officers' judgment of a situation to lessen the number of unnecessarily violent arrests. Officers are taught six different ways to reduce and manage biases. As part of the curriculum, there is also a test that has officers ask themselves, would I be requesting consent to search, but for the fact that this person is black, that this person is a teenager? Dr. Friedel, a noted scientist, explained that they picture a person with a different demographic and ask themselves if they would still be going about the situation in the same way. Trainers talk to police leaders about ways to erase bias from the split-second decisions officers make, and they advocate the use of video and role-playing in agencies' use of force training. In both cases, slowing things down is a cardinal rule. From the white perspective, during a six-month span in 2014, four separate police killings of African Americans grabbed the country's attention. Eric Garner died after being put in a chokehold in New York, while Michael Brown in Ferguson, Missouri, 
Laquan McDonald in Chicago, and 12-year-old Tamir Rice in Cleveland were all shot. The killings sparked a debate about how to reduce deaths caused by the police. In response, more police departments directed their officers to wear body cameras. Some introduced new training programs. Civil rights activists and politicians began paying more attention to the issue. The Washington Post reported that police officers in the United States shot and killed nearly 1,000 people in 2017. Unfortunately, this number has stayed the same since 2015. Those numbers are stubborn, in part because in a country with more than 300 million firearms in private possession, officers regularly face dangerous situations involving people who are armed. According to the Post's analysis, approximately 60% of the individuals shot to death by police in each of the, the past three years had a gun. In those types of situations, police officers have limited options. They must focus on protecting public safety and their own safety. From a minority's perspective. Over the past three years, as the issue of police shootings has come to periodically dominate American discourse, I've noticed a disturbing pattern. While many controversial police shootings are lawful and justifiable, many others would be surprising to see in a war zone, much less in the streets of America's cities. Some of the names come easily to mind. Philando Castile, Daniel Shaver, Walter Scott. Why is this the case? One part of the answer is easy. Cops are human, and since they're human, some will be incompetent. Some will panic, and some will be racist. But these shootings are happening in a nation that is still enjoying a respite from the horrific crime waves of the late 1980s and early 1990s. A nation where policing is far down on the list of the most dangerous jobs. That cops are human simply isn't a sufficient answer. Negative minority community perceptions of police in America have a historical basis in fact and should not be ignored by elective officials, the police, or the media. The war on drugs, with its primary focus in black and other minority neighborhoods, where, to, where stop and frisk police protocols routinely subjected hundreds of thousands of innocent minorities to such searches, exacerbated feelings of marginalization and frictions with the police. African Americans across this nation are aware and concerned about the ongoing existence of race-based profiling of this segment of the population by members of some police departments. Now, are cops good or bad? Well, a lot of cops are good in the profession for the right reasons, but like all professions, there are some rotten apples. We need to teach these rotten apples how to interact in a more acceptable and non-biased way, or if they can't be taught, then get rid of them. This could be said for so many professions in America, but the police carry weapons, which gives them a power no one else really has. The majority of police are not racist. The majority are aware of their biases and work on daily basis to serve and protect all. However, like before, there are rotten apples. And just like before, they need to be trained or they need to be fired. It's the supervisor's job 
to know what is going on with his subordinates. Supervisors need to be faster at identifying problems and transparently communicating those to the public. Police training on bias and race can and will work. However, it has only been a couple years since it has started and needs more time to evolve and grow into a better system. In 1876, slaves were freed. From 1950 to 1970, civil rights really gained a following. From 1980 to 1990, police brutality went way up. In 2016, the conversation really began about training the police in biases. Over 140 years, there has been little to no training for police regarding bias or race. This is the root of the problem. The public expects change and has been waiting, essentially, for 140 years without real progress. This is what makes people angry. And we can change. If we do it.